0: Welcome back to New World next week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato for
1: MediaMonarchy.com. If you don't think central bank digital currencies are coming, you're missing the big and important picture. And we've got that big important picture. Plus, make America purge again. But first, how COVID-19 vaccine trials are rigged. And we're going to see a lot of this. While vaccine makers insist any COVID-19 vaccine reaching the market will have undergone rigorous testing, the way trial protocols are designed suggests these vaccines will not have a significant impact on infection rates, hospitalizations, or death. Shockingly, preventing infections with SARS-CoV-2, the official name of the killer disease, Not a criterion for success in these vaccine trials. James, this in some way reminds me of how so many courts have ruled, oh, the police don't actually have to protect you. And that solving SARS-CoV-2 is not a criteria for success in these vaccine trials. The only criterion for successful COVID-19 vaccine is a reduction of symptoms shared by both COVID-19 and, of course, the common cold. In AstraZeneca's case, as we've reported, the interim analysis included 15 vaccine recipients. The vaccine will be a success if 12 or fewer develop symptoms after exposure to SARS-CoV-2, compared to 19 in the 25-person control group. At least two cases of transverse myelitis, severe inflammation of the spinal cord, has been documented in AstraZeneca's trial and the company as we told you, temporarily halted its trial in September 2020. I think just last week we told you about how Johnson & Johnson also paused their trial due to an undisclosed, unexplained illness in one of its participants. So if the vaccine can't reduce infection, can't reduce hospitalization, and can't reduce death, then how's it going to end the pandemic? And it means anybody who takes this will be doing so in vain. And it seems like so many of these things are essentially, it's a its a religious kind of cult operation. It's all about belief. A uh, couple, several relateds I covered actually on this morning's Morning Monarchy. Danish newspaper reveals largest study on masks rejected by at least three medical journals. Also, by the way, that mask might give you some lung cancer. Meanwhile, FDA approves Gilead's remdesivir, despite data showing the drug doesn't work. Some COVID-19 vaccine candidates may make people more vulnerable to HIV. And finally, South Korean authorities are going to stick to their flu vaccine plan, even though at least 48 people have died. James, this week in tyranny gets deadlier and deadlier.
0: Unfortunately so, and let's bring that South Korea story up to date. The latest number that I could find is it's now 59 deaths attributed to this uh, South Korean flu vaccination spree. And yes, South Korea is still not going to halt their flu vaccination schedule, uh, although Singapore apparently is, not based on any deaths in Singapore, but based on what's happening in South Korea. That's the way it rolls, I guess. But don't worry, Time magazine, or are they called Vote magazine at this point, uh, have uh, this... Very informative op-ed. Deaths in South Korea after flu vaccinations shouldn't stop flu campaigns. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. surprise, surprise. No, death, it's just a minor complication, guys. Who cares if people are dropping dead from these vaccines? Um, So I know we often say this, but let me say it again. Please go and read the Mercola article that we're linking up here. It is an extremely detailed and extremely important article, even for people who I think have the sense that they're not going to take this vaccine and they don't want this COVID-19 vaccine. I think it behooves you to know the specifics of what these trials are aiming at. And yeah, even what these vaccines are aiming at. No, it has, they're not even attempting to pretend that this is about stopping infection of SARS-CoV-2. No, this is about reducing symptom cold-like symptoms of runny nose and fever, and headaches, and what have you. And if they get that in a certain number of the participants in these trials, maybe seven out of 26 or something, then they can declare it a success and then spend hundreds of millions, billions ultimately, uh, are going to be spent in buying these vaccines so that people can maybe prevent some sniffles. It is insanity. But really, go and look at it, and you can find out all the gritty details about the placebos aren't even inert placebos. They're actually active vaccines that they're giving people as the placebo uh, in these trials. And other things that are, again, most people just have no idea. They just hear there are trials going on, and these vaccines will save us, and they just believe the narrative. And you hit on it there by saying this is almost like a religious thing. People have been indoctrinated into this cult where this is this existential threat, this black plague that's sweeping the world. And the only thing that can save us from that is some sort of, it's going to have to be some sort of miraculous thing. And they're going to sell the vaccines as the miracle, miracle, literally sell them of course, and that's an exceptionally important part of this. If only it was just a monetary scam, I guess that would be one thing. But unfortunately, as we know, this is also part of the foundation of the infrastructure of the vaccination regime that is going to be increasingly part of our lives as a result of this. And now, of course, every flu season, there's going to be flu shots. There's probably going to be COVID-19 shots for the rest of your life. There's going to be, they're going to keep adding it on and on and on and on and on with all of the attendant health risks that that brings, as well as, of course, this the structure for the biometric IDs and the certificate, the vaccine certificates and everything that comes with that. So this is an entire... As you say, almost like a religious belief system that's being instituted right now. And I suppose if there is a bright spot, it is that I think, at least with this vaccine in this way, I don't think most countries are going to mandate it, at least not directly. Um, An example of that here in Japan: uh, Japan has okayed a bill to offer free coronavirus vaccines. Yay! So they're buying 120 million uh, doses of the. AstraZeneca um, version of this vaccine, despite the fact it's still in trials, it hasn't been developed yet, but we'll buy it, sure, we'll sign on the dotted line, how many billions of yen do you want, here you go, and we'll give it to our our citizens for free, yay. So, the way I'm reading the story as it exists right now, it isn't a mandated they're going to come in and forcibly inject you kind of thing, it's just for free for anyone who wants it. Unfortunately, as we know, the pressure will come from other ways, like your employer saying you're going to have to do this if you want to be employed, that kind of thing. So as I say, there's the entire infrastructure for this new cult is, is being slotted into place right now. And I really think people need to know the bottom line of what this is about so that you can expose this to others who really, truly believe at the bottom of their heart that A, this is an existential threat to humanity that we're facing and B, that the vaccines are some miracle cure for this or will stop you from getting infected. Not even the big pharma liars are pretending that that's the case. And this Mercola article does a great job of uh, going through that.
1: I found myself saying to a family member the other day, "You're asking, do you think this is supposed to be temporary? Do you think they're going to stop all of this?" And you know, the response basically was like, "Oh well, you know, you know, we never know. It'll and it'll be something else after this, probably fairly defeatist, I, I kind of think." And on every level. The cure has been far, far, far worse than the disease, James. And you kind of called it minor complications. And again, this is to me is the real just the great irony of it. As is we've kind of talked about the freak out of something that seems pretty small. But no, don't worry. The air safe to breathe at 9-11. So they're trying to tell us this deadly killer thing is killing everybody. And most of the public is like, yeah, OK, we'll get by. And now people are dropping dead from the cure. And what do they tell you? Oh, don't worry about it. We're going to keep uh, tr- trudging forwards and and on every level. I mean, what is this going to be? We're gonna, It's going to be basically what we see on garbage TV now. Were you damaged by DDT? Were you damaged by asbestos? Were you damaged by, oh, I don't know, maybe the Gardasil? Or, or how about all those opioids we got you hooked on? So they basically let it in, rush it in. And they make money on both ways. And of course, all the Congress critters here in the States who let all the problems happen with their crony friends can wring their hands later and go, oh gosh, can you believe the opioid epidemic? But it'll be, again, good money, as I think is noted in that Mercola article. It'll be This will be great for all the vaccine trial lawyers. Big, big money. Our second story, which essentially somewhat continues th- this week in tyranny, is, is, as you said, it's not just a financial scam. It's also the health scam, but indeed the financial scam, the great financial reset. IMF managing director calls for a new Bretton Woods moment on October 15th. The IMF, International Monetary Fund. That was a thing the fake left used to protest against. They work for it now. The IMF published a speech written by the IMF's DC managing director, Kristalina Georgieva, called a new Bretton Woods moment. The article has caused sound money and free market advocates to grow concerned that a big change is coming and possibly a great financial reset. Economists, analysts, and Bitcoiners have been discussing the IMF Managing director's speech since it was published on the IMF website last week. A couple of days later macro strategist Raul Powell said, Georgia's article alludes to a huge change coming to the global financial system. If you don't think central bank digital currencies are coming, you are missing the big and important picture. The Bretton Woods system, if you didn't know, which of course all of this information and so much more always included down in the show notes, the Bretton Woods system was a huge change to the world economic system, agreed upon in 1944 as the totally surprised. World War II was ravaging everything. It established a centralized monetary agreement between Australia, Japan, the United States, Canada, and a number of Western European countries. will of course, include the link right to imf.org. And James, here it is on every level, using the touchless case-demic to push more
0: Panopticon. Unfortunately so. And yes, this is... I'm glad you used that pull quote for today's episode because it is so important. If you don't think that CBDCs, these central bank digital currencies, are the the future that they're going to try to shove down your throat, then you do not understand what is happening right now. This is truly a... A paradigm-shifting moment, and as I talked earlier about the Great Reset is just a code word, a new code word for the New World Order, it's the same old thing, but they're just repackaging it. Well, a new Bread and Woods moment is just another way of saying a new type of New World Order, it's specifically a World Monetary Order. So for people who don't know anything about Bread and Woods or what it was... Fret not, I will have more work on this topic in particular in the near future because it is exceptionally important to the times that we're living through. But the long story short, of course, Bretton Wood's conference held as World War II was winding down for the Allies to talk about how are we going to restructure the world monetary order that... The kind of fell apart in the 30s. How are we going to really restructure this going forward? And so they had their conference and basically played rulers of the world with the the the, the monetary paradigm that they set up. That kind of half functioned a little bit with sort of a, a fig leaf of gold backing kind of to the dollar for a few decades until Nixon took it off. I, I'm sure my regular listeners will know that story. Um, but the the real point of this is when they start talking about New Bretton Woods mo- moment and things. This is this is what People like myself and others have been screaming about for years that this is the, the changeover of the monetary paradigm. Now they are coming out and saying it, which is particularly worrying because, of course, Bread and Woods couldn't have happened without World War II as at least the, the, the sort of the beginnings of, of that process of the switchover, or should I say the end of that process of the switchover, um, which actually... Really, you could date back to the 1930s and all of the, the, the depression and the tariffs and uh, all the w- sort of financial wars that were going on in the 30s. You could go back to the end of World War One and the reparations and the collapse of Europe and how are they, you know, the, the various deals they set up for dr- debt restructuring. So the point is, yeah, if they're talking about a new Bread and Woods moment, they're talking about massive catastrophe, collapse, craziness, and they're at least ostensibly at this moment, if you go and watch Cristalino's speech, um, she's framing it within this current scandemic. But I have a feeling there's more to this story and there's potential for world war and at at any rate, massive depression before we get transitioned into this CBDC New World Order. So... Um, Again, please do go and read or watch her speech on this and you'll see it's a lot of mealy-mouthed, completely meaningless rhetoric about uh, debt restructuring is going to be the key. Oh, where have we heard that before? And, oh, gender inclusivity and all of these kind of buzzword nonsense. But the real, the hand was tipped a few days after she made this speech when the IMF hosted a panel on cross-border payment, a vision for the future, bringing together people like Augustine Carson and uh, Jerome Powell and some of the other bankster cronies to talk about central bank digital currencies and the future of how the world monetary order is going to be structured. So you don't have to be, you do not have to be an Ostradamus here. You do not need a crystal ball. They are telling you what is coming. And so uh, again, please follow the links that we're including in the show notes to read up about this, to learn more about it, and then to start thinking about how you can get off of this enslavement grid that they're, the monetary enslavement grid that they're creating around you. And I've had a lot of work on that in the past about alternative currencies and uh, and uh, community currencies and cryptocurrencies, building communities. These are going to be the things that are the solution. The only question is, will people, A, recognize the problem and B, work towards those solutions?
1: Let me ask you a question. Is Bretton Woods, is it named for the location where the initial meeting took place okay so basically like bilderberg it's like oh what's that what's that weird word mean that's the place where they got their secret meetings together all right our third and final segment on this new world next week episode 426 i think as we were just talking about all the sort of there's a lot of code words and i mean how obvious was it in the in the fake left right debate from last week dark winter oh dark winter oh you mean like a dark winter oh i hear it's going to be a dark winter they make sure to use these words and phrases over and over again. So whether it's dark winter or the great reset or maybe keep America great. Our third and final segment this week is not a music rant. You guys, I've got a really interesting Twitter thread, and it's not exactly breaking news, but I think it was just something really interesting, pretty scary that I essentially wanted to put on the new world next week record before Halloween and before the big America's next top president next week. The Purge, which we've talked about here in the in the kingdom before, those series of movies about the one day a year where there's no laws and all murder is okay It's like anarchy, the fake anarchy they'd like you to believe in. The Purge producers keep America great inside the Trump administration. So interesting thread. There will be a lot of links for people to go continue to explore this. Hope Hicks. People refer to her as the Trump whisperer. She's basically one of the numerous Trump advisors. Hope Hicks and also a guy named Josh Raffel, who worked as a publicist for the horror film, the third in the series, The Purge Election Year, from which the KAG, hashtag KAG, Keep America Great, that's where that comes from, the horror movie, The Purge Election Year. Both of those folks, Hope Hicks and Josh Raffel, Both worked for the Kushner family before Trump ran for America's next top president. They both worked for Kushner before 2016. So before the 2016 campaign, the two worked together at a place called Hiltzik Strategies. And of course, your PR firms are always very important in these sorts of things, getting you to believe in, you know, incubator baby stories, those sorts of things. They basically worked at Hiltzik Strategies for Kushner. Josh Raffel then went to work for Blumhouse Productions, which produced, among other things like Get Out and the Paranormal Activity movies, the infamous Purge movies, from which Trump got the Keep America Great hashtag. Then Jared Kushner hires Josh as his PR guy. April 2017, Josh Raffel will leave his job at Blumhouse Productions to lead the newly created White House Office of American Innovation. Josh, or rather Jared Kushner, hires Hollywood horror film publicist behind The Purge to head PR for new White House office. And there were all kinds of articles about this when this happened a couple years back, James. Josh and Hope both left the White House on the exact same day, February 28th, 2018. Josh went to work for Juul, J-U-U-L, you know, the vaping company? And that shortly after that, the whole vaping illness thing started. Same symptoms as the whole COVID thing. A lot of interesting connections. Hope Hicks came back to the White House this year in early 2020. And of course, oh gosh, she tested positive for the Rona. We don't actually know what Josh Raffel is doing right now. And the purge election year, if you didn't know, some say is about conservative Christian Americans being massacred in a Catholic cathedral called Our Lady of Sorrows, which to get more esoteric, kind of sounds like something Joe Red Mass Biden would be into as well. So is it shocking that Trump chose this horror movie byline as his 2020 reselection hashtag? It sounds like a globalist slogan, like the Great Reset or Dark Winter or any of the obvious code word wars, I think, that are sort of being openly waged. Or, James, as we said, back in September 2016, before the catalyzing catastrophic events of the 2016 election. As we said on the episode of Film Literature in the New World Order, the selection is upon us and the tensions are rising as the summer of rage gives way to the autumn of our discontent. And wouldn't you know it, Hollyweird is already programming purges legalized murder and anarchy into the population. But if I can quote from a, a different movie maybe to caution on this whole cult of voting for serial killers, the only winning move is not to play. James, really interesting stuff here. I think it's just – it's it's fascinating. It's fascinating that the celebrity guy who's draining the swamp and also waging tons of war and he's got this giant cult of people who thinks he's – where's the – yeah, the, the, the indictments, the – it's just it, – it's, it's – It would be hilarious if it weren't so
0: scary, I suppose, James. Yeah, I I would call this some interesting sinks, but that's not even the right way of framing it because this is literally the same PR strategists working for the Hollywood producers as working for the White House. I mean, it's it's like politics is scripted. Oh, no. Let's never bring up that possibility. Um, uh, Yeah, some very interesting things uh, to chew on. And the only thing I'll add to this is a recent episode of The Bob Murphy Show, episode 154, in which Bob Murphy analyzes The Hunt and The Purge movies uh, as from an anarchist perspective, which is interesting because... We've talked about The Purge. Uh, for people who don't know, we'll throw that link in for people who forget that conversation. But I didn't even know about The Hunt, which uh, is a controversial movie about, you know, liberal elites basically shooting Trump supporters for sport, um, and which isn't necessarily the type of movie that you think it's going to be. So listen to The Bob Murphy Show at the very least, uh, even if you don't want to watch the movie. But uh, yeah, some definitely there is some scripting and predictive programming going on here to seed some ideas in the public consciousness right now.
1: And as we've talked about so many times, what's the one thing the state knows how to do with? It's how to get violent with you when you get violent that they've sort of goaded you into. They don't know how to deal with people sort of creating their own alternatives. James, I've read a little bit about the hunt. I guess I kind of actually forgot about that one. It seemed like. I wasn't sure if it was the scamdemic that messed up the release date as it's wrecked all the release dates of all the movies and things or that essentially it was possibly a bridge too far and they were actually somewhat nervous about releasing it. So do you know, has it actually been released? But does that basically mean they've dumped it onto the streaming platforms? Yeah,
0: I'm pretty sure it's streaming right now. I don't know the details. I haven't watched it myself, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's out now.
1: So again, that's, I think, interesting as well. It's that sort of tree falls in the forest, no one's around here. Does it doesn't make a sound. They're still seeding the culture, but it's not getting kind of the big marquee releases and things. Uh, all the world is a stage and we will wrap up this episode 426 of New World Next Week, reminding you we have the North American Post Office Box, so if you have wanted to support James Corbett or New World Next Week and have not had some of the digital currencies or some of the PayPal or that stuff, you can use the santa fe new mexico post office box of course make any checks or money orders made out to james evan Pilato. of course make sure you write somewhat legibly james i will note and, and i guess i have to ask you too are
0: are we on youtube right now or did we are we off of there uh, for now yes we are but <laughs> we will be removed shortly i'm sure and, and and
1: like we said last week and like we've said for years who knows what's gonna happen here when the next big oh my gosh outbreak comes with the big selection next week So it might be slightly silly to note that Patreon has actually rolled out some new features. They actually offer annual pledges and they offer actually foreign currencies. That would be foreign to me, but your local currency. And I think that makes it cheaper for folks. I think it makes the VAT taxes go way down and I guess, James, I'm I'm flying under the radar for the most part on Patreon. I guess as long as, you know, I'm not dedicated to the QAnon conspiracy, they'll, they'll let us go for another couple of weeks. Good googly moogly. So, James, yeah, again, as we've said many, many times, there's any number of ways that people can support us. Cryptocurrency, PayPal, Patreon, all these sorts of ways. And we don't really care which ones you love or maybe hate. We just want and need and thrive on your support.
0: That is the long and short of it, James. Let's do it again next week. Thank you again. Thanks, buddy. Take care.